Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 97. Last week, we said it's time to get back to fulfilling our role in Christ's army. We had a great interview with Father Robert Altier to motivate us, but now we have to get down to the nitty-gritty of the actual work. Immediately, the devil's manipulation or your own natural inclinations are going to be to turn off this episode. Do you know why that is? Because this episode contains what you need, what God wants you to have, to revolutionize your spiritual life and relationship to God. If you consistently persevere in the things I'm going to tell you today, your life will never be the same. Rather than experiencing fear, anxiety, and depression, you'll be able to live a lifestyle that's always upbeat and positive, free of fear, free of worry, and always joyful regardless of what comes your way, even if you have turmoil in your life. If that sounds appealing to you, keep listening. On December 2nd, the Cantankerous Catholic is going to air our 100th episode. That makes it our birthday, but you're the one getting the gifts, and these gifts are all Catholic and very, very big. You'll get the opportunity to register for a drawing that we'll do on December 2nd, then announce the first place winner on episode 101 on December 9th. This is our way of saying thanks for being a loyal listener to the Cantankerous Catholic. We're giving away a lot of prizes. The first prize is a complete digital version of the 1913 edition of the Catholic Encyclopedia, consisting of 16 volumes valued at $3,200. We have 50 second prizes, a digital book collection consisting of 40 of the works of G.K. Chesterton, valued at $550. Chesterton was so great a Catholic writer in the 20th century that there are still Chesterton literary clubs throughout the world. Finally, we have 25 third prizes, a digital book collection of 27 volumes of the works of St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, perhaps the greatest defender of the Catholic faith in the English-speaking world in the 19th century. This collection is valued at over $300. Even if you don't win a prize, everyone who signs up for the drawing will receive a consolation prize. All you have to do to register is click the link for the drawing in the show notes for this episode and fill out the form that pops up in your browser. The deadline for registration is 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on December 2nd. Sign up today and let me thank you for being a loyal listener. Before we get started, I want to tell you that next week we'll have Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas on the show. That promises to be one of our best episodes ever. Also, I'm trying to get Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke on the show. 
His eminence has a very heavy schedule, and he travels around the world defending the Catholic faith. But I'm confident he'll cut an hour out of his schedule soon to be here with the Six-Pack Nation. Now let's talk about learning to become a warrior of Christ. As a lead-in to this, I want to read a passage in the Bible, words from Jesus' own mouth. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So, because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is telling us that being cold, that is, being completely indifferent to being a Catholic Christian, is preferable to being lukewarm. Unfortunately, more than 99% of modern Catholics are lukewarm, and being lukewarm comes with a dreadful price. We know it because we just read it. You may think you're hot, nothing resembling lukewarmness, but that probably isn't true. You've been baptized, confirmed, and catechized. Of course, unless you were fortunate enough to be in a parish that has actually taught the fullness of the faith in the last 60 years, which is about one quarter of one percent of parishes, the catechesis you've received is extremely deficient. The graces of confirmation are what enable you to become a warrior in the Catholic army established by Jesus, so the catechesis is supposed to arm you for the fight that all Catholics, both lay and cleric, are obligated to do. But 99.75% of you aren't armed at all. It's sort of like being in the military where they issue a rifle and tell you to fight a war, but they refuse to give you any bullets for your new rifle. Even if you're not properly armed for the fight as a member of the church here on earth, that is the church militant, you're still obligated to fight for souls and to defend our holy and ancient faith. You realize that you may not be properly armed for that work, but you'll also realize that's why I'm here, to help you get properly armed. Still, some of you are afraid to get into the fight. You've been lied to all your life when people have told you that when speaking with other people, you have to avoid controversial topics such as politics and religion. That's a lie right out of the bowels of hell. I avoid controversial topics myself, which is why I never talk about professional sports and soap operas. But I never avoid discussions on religion, because when talking religion, we're dealing with elements of truth, and truth can never be controversial. Truth can cause people to be emotional, especially when they don't want to accept that truth, but it's not possible for it to be controversial. Is 2 plus 2 equals 4 controversial? Of course not, but it's a truth, a law of nature. Because you may have bought into the lie that you have to avoid talking about religion, you've probably become fearful of sharing and defending the Catholic faith. Well, Jesus had something to say about that, too. In Revelation 21, he talks about the people he'll cast into hell. He says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Notice that the very first category of people he'll condemn to the lake of fire will be the cowardly. Are you still afraid to share the faith? I hope not. Well, we're going to begin with the absolute basics here today. Don't worry for the moment about not knowing all the things you need to know. 
We'll cover those things as we go along, particularly in the Catholic Boot Camp segment of this show. And you can use them when talking to other people as you learn from them. For now, though, we're going to discuss the very first most important thing you've got to have to become a warrior for Christ. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Prayer and a healthy prayer life is the absolute most important thing you have to have in order to be able to fight the good fight. Without a good and productive prayer life, you may as well get into the line of people bound for the lake of fire. I'm just saying. People have criticized me for frequently using a military theme in describing various aspects of living a Catholic life. I'll tell you why I do that. In a war, the opposing armies are fighting to control a hill or a bridge or a city, some piece of real estate. Spiritual war is no different. Even a cursory reading of the epistles in the New Testament tells us there's a constant unseen war raging around us. It's been that way since the dawn of time. That war is between the angels and demons. They're not fighting for ordinary real estate. The objective they're fighting for is your immortal soul. If you want to be saved and spend eternity in heaven, you have to fight on the side of the angels. I'm not going to lie to you. Developing a healthy prayer life isn't easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. The world, the flesh, and the devil offer too many distractions for us to develop a healthy prayer life without a lot of hard work on our part. The good news is, once you've begun to develop the necessary discipline and habits and learned how to cooperate with the actual graces God sends your way, maintaining a healthy prayer life becomes as much a part of you as breathing. The ultimate goal is to develop a deep interior life in union with the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't happen quickly or easily. It takes time and effort, so you have to start out at square one. The first thing you need to understand is that no two people have the same prayer life and spiritual charisms. Those things are as unique as your fingerprints or DNA. However, the prayer life and spiritual charisms develop for each individual as you go along, but by beginning on the same starting square as everyone else. In other words, we all start out in the same place and the same way, but you shouldn't expect your spiritual maturation to look like someone else's or to have their same experiences. There are certain prayers that a person should do every single day. I'm talking about formulated prayers. One of the reasons I like formulated prayers is because they're well thought out and thorough. By beginning your daily prayer regimen with formulated prayers actually accomplishes two things. First, it directs your heart and mind toward God, especially if done the first thing in the morning. Second, it helps to eliminate the white noise in your mind and let you focus. Every single day when you get up, the first thing you should do as your feet hit the floor is to pray a morning offering. Paul admonishes us to pray always, not just happenstance throughout the day. Well, obviously, it's not practical to pray and do nothing else. We have to work and live daily life. So a morning offering is the way to begin. There are a lot of morning offerings available out there in almost every prayer book, and you'll find them easily online. The morning offering I use goes like this. 
O my God, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you the precious blood of Jesus from all the altars throughout the world, joining with it my every thought, word, and action of this day. O my Jesus, I desire today to gain every indulgence and merit I can, and I offer them, together with myself, to Mary Immaculate, that she may apply them to the interests of your most sacred heart. Notice by the wording of this morning offering that I've made the entire day a prayer and sanctified it. Every version of a morning offering that I've ever seen has all the elements of this morning offering I just recited to you. There are other formulated prayers you should pray every day. The Acts of Faith, Hope, and Charity, the Memorare, a prayer to your guardian angel, etc., What you choose is up to you, but a must is a daily rosary, because the rosary allows you to begin to shift from saying formulated prayers into meditation. Besides, it'll make Our Lady happy. What many Catholics have forgotten is that while we pray a decade of the rosary, we're supposed to be meditating on the mystery attached to that decade. My favorite set of mysteries are the sorrowful mysteries, because I get the opportunity to meditate on what Jesus did for us all his agony in the garden where he sweat drops of blood, his being scourged at the pillar by Roman soldiers, his being mocked by the same Romans and being crowned with thorns, being forced to carry his heavy cross, the instrument of his death, through the streets of Jerusalem, and finally his cruel execution by being nailed to that cross and being stripped naked for the world to see. In order to decide what formulated prayers you want to begin your day with, you need a good prayer book. I'm sure there are lots of good ones out there, and over the last 30 years, I've had quite a few myself. But the one that's the best, in my personal view, is the Handbook of Prayers, edited by Father James Sosius and published by the Midwest Theological Forum. I'll try to remember to put a link to it in my show notes, just in case you're interested. Once you've done your formulated prayers, ending with the rosary, it's time to get into the most meaty part of your daily prayer. This is when you begin having an intimate conversation with Jesus. This sort of prayer doesn't have to be all flowery and pious sounding. It's just a conversation. You just begin telling Jesus the things on your mind. You tell him about your concerns, your fears, your desires, or anything else that comes to mind. This is how meditative prayer begins for all those who are new to serious prayer. But if you maintain consistency and perseverance in doing this daily, over a period of a few weeks to a few months, you'll begin to notice some real progress in your spiritual life. One thing I recommend for everyone is to get a spiritual director. Be careful about whom you choose to direct your soul. Just because a man's a priest doesn't necessarily mean he'll make a good spiritual director. There are some priests in the world who aren't faithful to the church's teachings or their sacerdotal vows, but I'm not too worried about you seeking out one like that as a spiritual director, because most priests aren't like that. Indeed, most priests are good, holy men who take seriously the teachings of the church and their priestly vows. But you still have to be careful, not because they aren't good priests, but because they might not be equipped for the task. Not all priests are equipped to be spiritual directors. Most aren't trained for it, and among those who are, most haven't been trained in classical spiritual direction. 
Priests who aren't trained, or have been trained in this modern, psychologically-based mumbo-jumbo stuff, might possibly end up having the opposite of the desired effect and cause grave consequences for your immortal soul. That's not the intention of the priest, though. It's just what it is. In addition to avoiding the priests I've already mentioned, I wholeheartedly recommend you avoid asking a nun or layperson to direct you. There may be some very good ones out there, I'm sure, but your best bet is always a priest, because a priest possesses the sacramental graces of holy orders. The age of the priest doesn't matter, only the degree of apparent holiness. My spiritual director has only been a priest about nine years, but he's a very holy man who's well-versed in classical spiritual direction. And under no circumstances let anyone get away with telling you the old ways of spiritual direction don't work anymore, that mankind and the church have advanced beyond those archaic ways. Baloney. Times may change, but man is the very same as he was when our first parents gave us original sin, and the church is a mere 2,000 years young. Besides, how many saints do we produce today with the so-called new ways? When classical spirituality and direction were at a peak, hundreds, perhaps even thousands, of saints came flowing out of the heart of the church. If classical spirituality was good enough for the likes of St. Teresa of Avila, St. Anthony of Padua, St. John Bosco, and innumerable others, it should certainly be good enough for you. Frankly, I could go on for a couple of hours about this topic, but at least you have the bare-bones basics to get started. For some of you, I may have created more questions than supplied answers. If you have questions or want clarification on any of this, don't hesitate to reach out to me by visiting cantankerouscatholic.com or joesixpackanswers.com. I'll be happy to spend time with you over cyberspace to help you better understand. Don't worry about inconveniencing me or wasting my time. This podcast and my whole apostolate exists for you. There are 21,000 listeners to this podcast but my interest is in one soul at a time. God love you. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com. 
to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Daily Caller. Netflix's Cuties is a training film to market and seduce children. The chief executive officer of an organization hunting for missing children told the Daily Caller News Foundation. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 4 Hats off to ABC News. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law requiring California to house transgender inmates in prisons based on their gender identity, but only if the state does not have management or security concerns. I can't wait to see how that goes. You're an idiot! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 3 Hats off to Fox News. Franklin Graham led a prayer march in the nation's capital with tens of thousands of people from all 50 states, but the mainstream media gave the event little, if any, coverage. What? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 2 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The tomb of Carlo Acutis was open for veneration ahead of his beatification. Acutis was a computer programmer who used the internet to spread devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. His exhibit on Eucharistic miracles has traveled around the world. In 2006, Acutis died of leukemia at the age of 15. Carlo was a boy of our time a boy of the internet age and a model of holiness in the digital age, said Archbishop Domenico Sorrentino. Wow! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to LifeSite News. The media have been working to normalize pedophilia, but the American people keep rejecting it. Until recently, the pedophilia pushers suffered no serious consequences for their relentless campaign to sexualize children and groom them for adult exploitation. But the recent indictment of Netflix for distribution of child pornography has changed that dynamic. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Pack. 
it was a dramatic event. It was Easter Sunday night, and the apostles were hiding in the upper room where Jesus had given them the Holy Eucharist just a few days earlier. They were hiding for fear of being arrested and murdered as Jesus had. Suddenly, Jesus stood in their midst. He said, Peace be with you. After saying this, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is one of the most astonishing events in the gospel story. Let's examine it more closely. After greeting the apostles, Jesus gave them a special commission. He said, As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Wow! What did the Father send Jesus to do? He sent Jesus to redeem mankind. That redemption was done on the cross, but now it had to be applied, so Jesus was sending the apostles to continue his work of redemption. He emphasized that point in what he did next. Jesus breathed on them. There are only two times in all of human history when God breathed on man. The first was when he breathed life into Adam. It was in the upper room when he did it a second time, but this time he breathed a different kind of life into the apostles. Indeed, he actually gave them a life enabling them to give life to all of us for the sins we commit after baptism. After breathing a new life into the apostles, Jesus said one of the most profound things he's ever said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Many people claim Jesus was merely repeating his oft-stated command that we're to forgive one another. They base it on the fact that he'd said it so often that Peter finally asked him how many times we have to forgive people. Jesus' reply was that we must forgive seven times seventy, which is infinitely. But if you'll read those many passages in the Gospels, you'll find Jesus was talking about sins committed by others against us. This is altogether different. Jesus isn't saying the apostles have to forgive. He's actually giving them a choice whether to forgive or not forgive. In this passage of John, Jesus is giving the apostles a power never given to man before. He's telling the apostles that they have the power to forgive sins, not merely telling people they're forgiven. Many non-Catholics opposed to the sacrament of penance claim the church invented the sacrament at the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215. Even if the church's opponents were to completely discount the scriptural references to confession, which they do, we should expect to find no historical evidence to the sacrament's existence prior to 1215. That's simply not the case, though. Apart from further biblical references beyond the Gospels, there are many writings of the early Christians dating hundreds of years prior to 1215. St. Gregory the Great, who reigned from 590 to 604, writes, The apostles therefore have received the Holy Spirit in order to loose sinners from the bonds of their sins. God has made them partakers of his right of judgment. They are to judge in his name and in his place. The bishops are the successors of the apostles, and therefore possess the same right. 
St. Caesareus of Arles, who lived between 470 and 542, writes, It is God's will that we confess our sins not only to him, but to men. And since it is impossible for us to be free from sin, we must never fail to have recourse to the remedy of confession. In a sermon on the Last Judgment, that same saint tells us to, quote, escape damnation by making a sincere confession from the bottom of our hearts and to fulfill the penance given by the priest. We could go on and cite many other church fathers, such as Leo the Great, who lived from 370 to 461, St. Augustine, who lived from 354 to 430, Ambrose, who lived from 340 to 397, Paulinus of Milan, a statement gathered from him in 395, and Origen, who lived from 185 to 254. The point is, the evidence shows confession's existence from that first Easter Sunday night in the upper room. Because of the power Jesus gave to the priesthood, the priest actually does forgive our sins. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that since Christ entrusted to his apostles the ministry of reconciliation, bishops are their successors and priests, the bishop's collaborators, continue to exercise this ministry. Indeed, bishops and priests, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, have the power to forgive all sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In any sacrament in which a priest or bishop is the minister, he acts in persona Christi, that is, in the person of Christ. For a better understanding, bishops and priests hold a sort of special ambassadorship. If the U.S. ambassador to Japan works out a certain agreement and signs it, it's the ambassador's negotiations and signature which make the agreement binding. However, the ambassador has acted in the person of the President of the United States. So too does a priest or bishop act in the sacrament of penance. He hears the penitent's sins and makes a judgment call regarding those sins, a power granted by Christ in John 20.23. Then he grants absolution of those sins, provided the penitent is willing to break with those sins. We'll examine this sacrament in much greater detail in next week's installment of The Catholic Boot Camp. That's awesome, dude! Tired of false or confusing doctrine? Want to learn or teach the Catholic faith of our fathers without dilution or compromise? Then it's time for Tradivox. Tradivox is a Catholic nonprofit working with Bishop Athanasius Schneider to restore the perennial catechism of the Catholic Church. Scores of official catechisms from across the last millennium are being harnessed in an amazing new platform for teaching the faith today. Learn more and support this much-needed project at www.tradivox.com. Tradivox, giving voice to tradition. Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Paul of the Cross. 
He said, celebrate the feast of Christmas every day, even every moment in the interior temple of your spirit, remaining like a baby in the bosom of the Heavenly Father, where you will be reborn each moment in the divine word, Jesus Christ. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Vincent's mother died three days after his birth. His father was a very wealthy man and had a nurse to take care of his son's every need. As the boy grew, the father began to worry that his boy would become selfish with all this care, so he adopted a boy of Vincent's age. The adopted son's name was John. He was rough and cruel to his brother, but Vincent didn't complain. John began to drink and finally caused such a scandal that he left his father's home. Neither Vincent nor his father heard from him for years. Since Vincent realized how worried his father was about John, he decided to go look for him. He knew that his adopted brother loved horses and the outdoor life, so he followed John to Argentina and Mexico, then finally caught up with him in Arizona. John came after Vincent and tried to pick a fight with him, but that didn't deter Vincent in his mission. One day in a sleazy tavern where he was drinking, John shot at Vincent just to scare him. Jose, wanting to protect Vincent, drew his gun and began firing at John. When Vincent stepped into the line of fire while trying to stop Jose, one of the bullets found its way into Vincent's lungs and heart instead of the Mexicans. There was a silence as Jose and his men carried the dying man into another room. Vincent had something to say to his brother. As John came to his side, Vincent spoke slowly. Johnny, your father is waiting for you. You're breaking his heart. Forget the past and go back to him. Tears filled John's eyes as he fell on his knees beside his brother. He promised to go back to his father. A few moments later, Vincent died peacefully, glad that he could bring his brother back to his father. This story is a picture of God's love for us. We've been adopted by our Heavenly Father in baptism. We left our father's house by sin. Christ, our elder brother, left heaven in order to bring us back to our Heavenly Father. He pleaded with us through the many graces he offered. He won us back for heaven by his death on the cross. It was our sins that crucified him, just like John's bullet killed Vincent. Jesus' sufferings teach us God's love for us and the evil of sin. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times, as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the Cantankerous Catholic more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.